Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything. So if, if we tell people we're master tacticians at Infinity, do you think anyone would believe us? Um, yes, if they don't know us and haven't seen us play. Hey, yeah, that's, that's most people, right? <laughs> yes. All right, so they probably clicked on it and they, they still believe us until they, yeah. until they listen to the very end of the episode. Then they'll know, right? They'll have to yes. To the that's right. So uh, today's topic is um, Infinity N4, the new edition. Thoughts by Master Tacticians, and that's us. Yeah, so we'll be talking about, I guess, where we see the changes taking the direction of the game. Mm -hmm. And we'll probably be leaving up tactics. (laughs) And we haven't been playing because things. Yeah, so um, these thoughts uh, basically are about uh, the new edition of Infinity, which is one of our favorite games. Uh, and they came out with a new edition, which uh, I've been like super stoked for, uh, N4. Yep, so I think we like a fair amount of where it's taken the direction of the game, especially on yep. the simplifying aspects of it, mm-hmm. which can get into all of those, but as sort of the overarching mm-hmm. way that it's changed, a lot of things have become simpler. So what would you say like the biggest thing that's become simpler is? Yeah, so if, if I were to look at it, um, N3, so the previous edition of Infinity, started getting like too large. It was it was already a large and complicated game, and just over the years, like with the expansions, they've added more and more rules, uh, and it became more and more complicated. And almost like it's very hard. I, I saw definitely at the very end of uh, N3, there were a bunch of people who would get into the game because let's let's like the models are amazing, right? Still amazing, still, in my opinion, the best on the market in terms of um, the look. But the game, and, and I think the game is also one of the best on the market, but it was just too complicated for people who tried to get in. So, yeah, there was, there was no one book for people to read through and get a grasp of the rules because things had been modified so many times through either extra books or the wiki, FAQs, mm-hmm. that at some point somebody who didn't have any friends in the game who just uh-huh. tried to pick it up on their own and teach their friends mm-hmm. would have no set way of learning the rules. Yeah. So I feel like there, there are two tracks that became really confusing is um, there's the main rules, which, which already are very different than other games, because I think we've talked about this before the order system and the order and arrow system is very different than other games. Right. Um, and mutual awareness and things like this. So that already is kind of a hump. And that's honestly one of the things that, Though, because it's so different and interesting, it, it's what attracts people. The problem, I feel like, was the second hump, which was the amount of rules and special rules in the game was just, like, too much. And the amount of options someone had, like, yep. a lot of them being meaningless was too much. And there was too many rules that you couldn't see clearly when you saw someone. Because there yeah, was a so, lot of... Yeah. So, I guess one of those things that you're going towards is the nested rules. Yeah. Like, what does it mean? Like, when, when they talked about a guy who has martial arts, there were, like, four or five sub-rules. And then when you use martial arts, you had four different options of how you, you use them, even though technically you almost always just used one. So it was, like, a fake choice because, like, you had three quasi-options and one real option. 
Yeah, so martial arts gives you bonuses in close combat, but then they also went and created things like Protheon mm-hmm. and a few guard. others. Guard, yeah. They also gave you different bonuses in close combat, so you would have mm-hmm. to learn several different skills and their bonuses for close combat yeah. rather than just having one martial arts set of rules that gives you your bonuses when you, you fight up. Yeah, so it wasn't about... Like when, oftentimes, because there are so many things, it's hard to see what's going on, which basically means, I think we've talked about this before, just like the cognitive load of a game. Like if you're spending so much time on your cognitive load, or you can't even, like, it's so complicated, you can't even load in the entire game state, you end up losing not because you didn't understand, like you didn't do the right tactics, it's because you didn't understand the actual game state, right? And so it kind of because it was so complicated, the more complicated a game is, the more it rewards just good, not good gameplay, but good memorization, right? And Basically. don't get me wrong, some people love it, right? It's the whole arcane spells thing we talked about before. We're like, oh, I have arcane knowledge, therefore I can defeat you. Is a very, like there's some, there's some uh, enjoyment out of that, right? When, when mm-hmm. It's kind of like trivia, right? It's a trivia game. At that point, your, your benefit and your, the joy you're getting is knowing something that your opponent did not, which is the trivia joy. And don't get me wrong, I like, I like trivia games. I like playing uh, Trivial Pursuit or going to a pub and having a pub quiz night, but it's not necessarily what I want when I'm playing a game, uh, a miniatures game, right? I, I'm there for the strategy or the cool kind of layering on that kind of stuff, which is not the, the arcane spells trivia kind of enjoyment. And I feel no, like... Not- studying up in between games to, to feel like you you can understand what's happening yeah you you know more yeah it's just so you can understand what's going on mm-hmm. and like in a lot of those games each unit and stuff will have maybe like 12 special rules for that unit mm-hmm. which infinity characters to be fair will have close to that level but just mm-hmm. the level of complication of those the abilities that infinity models have mm-hmm. it's basically more of a they're modifications for the most part a few yeah. of them give you situational abilities, but for the most part, they're just modifications. Like so you're saying like a plus all... three or a minus three in this situation. Yeah, so they're not all that complicated to learn. So there might be a whole bunch of them on each character, but unlike in other games where it might give you an entire, like you might have several spells you can perform mm-hmm. or things like that, just the, comp- the complexity of the abilities is graspable. So yeah, it's it's like... You need it, need to know in which situations you have advantage. That's basically generally what the abilities do. It's like if you're in this situation, you have an advantage. If you're in this situation, you have an advantage. And you're trying to layer over enough situations where you have more advantages than your opponent, right? Yep. So it's, it's not like necessarily as like, oh, you can cast different spells that do different things, which, you know, like, like we said, Frostgrave is you know, another of our favorite games. That's what it, that one's about, right? Different spells that do different things. But because of that, like with Infinity, um, because it's just like advantages, it's a little bit easier to understand if you just have, instead of like nesting rules where you have like um, martial arts gives also uh, stealth and it also gives uh, um, courage, right? There's these nested rules. If they're all just listed, like when you're looking at a, a unit's profile, especially as a new person, you don't know, right? It's not it's not bubbled up that these these are two situations where that unit is good, right? 
So they don't, they just kind of either don't know it because they just don't know that, let's say, the opponent they're attacking is actually good because they have martial arts. Oh, they have courage and stealth, right? They don't know that, so they don't necessarily resolve it. Whereas now, if you look at, at a profile, because those are all separated, uh, when, when, you're play, when a player looks at a unit, they're like, oh, okay, so this has martial arts, which gives them plus minus on in close combat, makes sense. It also then, if they have stealth or, or courage, it'll literally list there. So it's, it's like, these are the five, 10, 12, 10 situations or 10 things that I need to, to be aware of. You don't get kind of, it's, it's easier for people to, at a glance, know what units are, are good and bad at. Yep, you don't have to go. You don't have to go refer to other things quite as much. I mean, you have to refer to the weapons, but at least the weapons are common throughout most units. And I think one of the good things about that, though, without the the nesting, is um, it probably is a signal to the creators that some of these units have way too many special rules. <laughs> because yeah, if you look at martial arts, it's not just one special rule. Technically, it's three, right? Yep. And so, oh yeah, when Bostrio was doing some of his previewing things he's like oh this thing's almost running out of space for abilities oh wow there's, there's a lot of these <laughs> yeah so now if you're like oh i'm gonna make a guy with a bunch of the, the like a guy and i'm gonna add um let's say uh to camo martial arts uh and i don't know some other kind of abilities right when i mm-hmm. it looks like not that many but it's literally like each of those is actually three abilities. And then when you put them all together, you're like, oh, actually I create, even though I thought I only had a character with four abilities, which seems manageable, it's actually 12 abilities. And maybe I shouldn't give this character 12 abilities. That's too many. Yep. I don't know if they actually did that because there's some units that have like 12 abilities. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, but at least it kind of bubbles up and you can kind of see that better. So, so that I feel like is really good in terms of if you're getting into the game and you kind of bounced off of infinity because things were harder to understand, right? Right. There's all of these, like someone would say, Oh, I have martial arts. And then you also have, have to know martial arts, stealth and uh, courage. Right. And you kind of just have to memorize that. Now it's like, oh, well, if, if you want to know what this character has, I have martial arts, stealth, and, and courage. Or you, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have all three, right? Yep, same thing with being remotes. Like being remotes would grant you a whole bunch of abilities, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't like remote presence. Mm-hmm. You'd have to go look at all those rules and figure out what those meant. Yeah, so, so I feel... That's one thing, and then the other, other abilities are pulled out. Yeah, so it does allow them to like give fewer abilities to people. Um, I do know because of the transfer of, of the game, they haven't quite, they've done a little bit of that, but I feel like not enough, but that's a good direction at least. And it does, I yeah, think, well, make it easier for people to look at it. Yeah, it's good for new players, which is, it doesn't take away from the old players on a play in the game. Plus just from a fluff element, like sometimes when they gave the name for an ability, it wouldn't actually make sense. Mm. Like if they had, say, the like kinematica or something. Mm-hmm. But like, why why use that word when maybe the things just like rather than being good at dodging, mm-hmm. let's just say small or something like that. So it's hard to hit. But oh, so like they hid the actual like a, a, an easy to understand ability behind a name. 
which is a cool name and it's fluffy, but it actually makes it harder for a new player to see what it actually does. Well, I'm saying it, it might be fluffy for some things, but it might actually be not fluffy for other things because it doesn't make sense for why they have that ability. Yeah. So, so what do you mean? Like kinematica? That was your... Yeah, for some things of why something has that particular ability. Like things being religious. It's like, well, okay, they're religious because they're part of this like cult thing. Uh-huh. But then other things, they're fluff. Maybe, oh, they behave this way, but it's, they behave in the religious way but not because of their like beliefs it might just be the training. I think no religious. They still have religious. Yeah. I don't and know. it's literally characters that are religious. So I don't know. Is that a good or a bad thing? So you're saying that in some ways it's bad because they still have it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at least some yeah. things got rid of it. So it doesn't have yeah. that name. Anymore. To, to me, one of the things is like martial arts. Mm-hmm. Martial arts does not mean you're stealthy. Training in stealth means you're stealthy. A thief. Oh, yeah. You could, you could is be a stealthy. giant robot. Yeah, you yeah. could be a giant martial artist robot. And that's definitely earth shaking and not stealthy at all. Yeah, exactly. Like if you are a, let's say you trained on the sword, on the art of the, the sword, right? You're a knight. That doesn't mean you're stealthy. Nobody, like the basic training of being a, a fencer or a knight is not about being quiet, right? But that's still a martial mm-hmm. art. Right? You should be good at close combat. You should have martial art artist skills, but none of that involves sneaking around. Nope. Like a ninja, like a samurai. A samurai is not about sneaking around. Yeah, a, big armor. There. Yeah, but they're very good at martial arts. Not the same thing, but on the other hand, a ninja is supposed to be good at both. But the stealth part is entirely separate from the kicking a guy in the face part. Yeah, and you might have sort of infiltrators who are quiet at moving around. Mm-hmm. They, they start up the field, but they, they're, they're just good at shooting things. They're not good at fighting, but they're good at moving yeah. around. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I, I feel like it, in that way, it was good that they broke those things up. Now, um, I do want to go into uh, one thing that is not necessarily as good. Because even though they, I feel like this is, is a thing. So, so they'd be trying to simplify things, break things up, make things more clear. But I do feel like overall, they didn't go far enough. Well, I think with the number of units, that's, we've addressed it for several games, but they haven't reduced the number of units. They increased the number of units, which in and of itself increases the complexity of the game because now there's more to memorize. And now they have more things in each faction. A lot of them start to overlap more. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would have hoped that some things would have gotten removed at this stage because it's, it's exactly when a new rule set comes out. Yeah, so, so this is one of those things I think we've talked about a lot. Like one of the issues with uh, War Machine, Privateer Bress's game, so War Machine and Hordes, is that uh, it started out tight with a smaller number of guys and it was really good rule set I think is interesting and everything but as they got bigger they just kept on adding units and units and it it just got too unwieldy and it kind of crushed it crushed the game because there's just too many units to remember and that game is all about gotchas so um it was too much right especially in terms of skews and we talked about how games workshop uh did a really really good job because um that we like 
we used to think that it was bad that Games Workshop would just like sunset units. And technically it is somewhat bad, right? For, for, for the short term, but for the long-term health of the game, you have to be able to sunset things because games at a certain size are just too big, right? And we, te- we mentioned that we're really happy with Infinity, where Infinity has actually sunset a bunch of different factions, kind of, right? Yeah, a few things here and there. Not, not very many things. But so that's the question is like, I guess this is, this is a thing that we looked at with uh, N4. Um, the N4 um, was, is a great chance to sunset a bunch of uh, more things, right? You have a new edition, you can eliminate a lot of stuff and keep a core, much more core, a smaller core so that you can build up on it, right? Remember when you have a new edition, it's not like they release a new edition and that's it, right? They still need to release expansions. So right now, they've reduced the SKUs and the amount to, I'd say, a manageable amount, right? It's, but it's not enough if you're talking about building back up, right? It's already, in, in my opinion, it's, it's already too big, right? They added an entirely new faction, O12, right? So now yeah. how many factions are they at? Nine or something? Yeah, and for the major factions, they might have added four new things for all the major factions as part of this update. No, maybe not even including characters, Several characters have come out on top of yeah, that. Yeah, more, more than four, I think. But the question is, did they remove four? Or actually, because they want to have room to, to build, they should remove more than four, right? Yeah. And that, but they, they kind of didn't do that. And I, and, and I do agree. Like, for me, for us, we're veterans. We play the game all the time. But the game does still seem too big relative to a new player. Yeah, and I would just, I guess one way of determining if it's too big or not is, I guess what we saw in War Machine was that there'd be certain units for doing certain things, like you'd have good things for doing, like, Reach, which is attacking within further in Mali, that you would have a couple of those in your faction, but there'd just be one clear good one. Mm-hmm. So you would only play with that one, and the others would be kind of just wasted space in the game. And then now that there's so many units... False choices, basically. They look like they're choices, but actually there's one clear choice that you shouldn't mm. use if you want to, I guess, win, right? Yeah, if you want to min-max your army rather than make it a theme, then there's just things that won't get used, yet they're there taking up space in your mind and in the game. And in the skew, skew line as well. Yep, on store so, shelves, yep. Yeah, so I feel like Code 1, which is uh, Infinity's or Corpus Belli's intro version of Infinity, in a lot of ways did a lot more right because it did. They did try to boil the game down to a much smaller manageable thing that can fit as a skew line on a store shelf, right? Mm-hmm. But the question, so, so the question is when you have the more expanded line with N4, it's like you could call it the historical line or, or whatever you want to say, or, or is that too much? Is that too big? Like, yeah, they, they reduced things. They did get rid of a couple of, of units that I enjoyed, right? But as long as that, like you said, as long as they have a unit of that type, it's not necessarily a big deal in, in Infinity because they have these very lax proxy rules, right? Like yeah, I when you've got a mention, big, big base guy with an HMG in that one faction, he's got the look of, say, nomads. You just use them as the other, like, large silhouette heavy guy. Yeah. When they, and nobody's going to be confused. Yeah. And especially because, well, one of those profiles doesn't have a profile anymore, right? So, like, for example, 
in my faction, I really, really like the Asriel, right? Now the Asriel doesn't have a profile anymore. Their sculpts are amazing, right? They're my favorite uh, heavy, heavy infantry sculpt there. But because they have no profile, if I put an Asriel on the table and I tell everyone, oh, this is an Alpha Seed now, right? Mm-hmm. No one's going to be like, oh, but it looks like an Asriel. Like no one's going to say that. Yeah, because Asriel no doesn't. <laughs> exactly. There's no Asriel in the game. So obviously it's another unit. Right. Yep. And the Alpha Zed is the closest unit to the Azrael. So it's not a big deal to kind of do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. It just gives you better proxy options. If you really like the look of the model, you can now proxy just more things. So to me, I feel like they, they could have gone further, but they did not. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I like the fact that they have all these new profiles. In fact, the new profiles are in many ways the things I'm most excited about besides re rejig profiles. But I don't mind if they removed, they could have removed more profiles and just folded them in. I think we've mentioned this many times where you like, where you can have, where, where I think in some ways they've done this, like with the Ezreal, right? Where they've basically said unofficially, this is the replacement unit for the Azrael, right? Or for whatever unit. And so if you have those old models, you're probably going to end up proxying them for this unit, right? And just kind of, cycle it that way so you're constantly getting new units new things to be interesting about but then you do have a choice you're removing these other options you're not filling your skew line and everything like that so i think maybe their goal was not to offend the current players because also one big thing we were hoping would change but they they've left open to change is the fire team rules because they didn't even put them into the rule book that was a new addition and they've they made it clear from before the book was being released that, that they would leave that in a separate PDF document mm-hmm. to leave it more open to future changes. So basically that looks like a goal of just not offending the current players by upsetting how the game looks currently, mm-hmm. which to be fair from the reactions, people have not become upset. So maybe uh-huh. it is the right strategy to get people to transition to the new edition be really enthusiastic about it, which will get more new players in mm-hmm. and then start doing the more uncomfortable things to the game over time oh i see so what you're saying is instead of like so so the way i'm thinking about it is like cut everything now and then grow it but maybe the better strategy is very very small cuts so like whenever so so right now they cut in a whole bunch of they cut a bunch of profiles so they can add a bunch of profiles and then in six months what you're saying is instead of saying um we're going to cut up a whole bunch so we have room to grow Basically, whenever they add something, they remove something. So six months from now, they're going to remove three or four profiles and insert three or new, four new profiles. Yeah, so they're basically boiling the frog slowly. So they, <laughs> they yeah. yeah, maybe. You know what? Maybe that's a, that, that is a good point, and maybe that is the, the better strategy. I do mm-hmm. know that when they uh, did the whole, uh, like, so, so, Corvus Belly is not afraid to shake things up, I guess, but maybe they're more afraid now. I don't know. But historically, they have not been. They literally cut out a huge set of guys from one of their factions yep. so that you can no longer use them in that faction. And, and they put it into its own special mini faction, right? So basically, Yujing, which is like Space China. They, they say it's Space Asia, but it's really Space China. And, yeah. and Space China was... Uh, in the fluff also had a sub faction of space Japan, but mm-hmm. in their, in their story, there's tension there. So obviously space Japan seceded, 
right? And then basically everyone who had all of these Japanese units in their Space China force, uh, they got really upset because they're like, well, you just like split my faction and, and the Space Japan units, like it used to be Space Asia more because they, it was China and Japan. Mm-hmm. And then they cut out Japan. So literally it was just Space China. Well, and that was like one, like one third of the units was Space Japan. Yeah. And so they cut all of that out. So everyone lost like one third of their units. Yeah. So who knows if it was just the complainers are always the most vocal people. But from the people we know who play Space Japan... I was complaining. I was Space China, and I couldn't use any of my Space Japan units. Well, that's what you get for abusing Space Japan. <laughs> for everyone else who wasn't I didn't! I liked them. I loved my Space Japan units. I was going to get more Space Japan units. And mm-hmm. to be fair, like, at that time, it was, it was like... Uh, I had w- it wasn't one-third. I had, like, one-fifth of my units were Space Japan. Yep. Now, now they're just in the garbage. Mm-hmm. And I kept one model on, on my shelf. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody else. I guess it them. worked. It worked. They made me throw up my old models. And now I have. Get some more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to go buy new models. Exactly. Yeah, well, it keeps the game more interesting that way. As long as it's not your only and first faction, that's jarring to those people. But for everybody else who's been established, it shouldn't be that jarring to them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, back to N four. So we're we're saying. Maybe these small cuts, maybe the fact that they don't have enough room was, was actually a good thing, as long as they consistently shift those things, right? And keep their skew lists at a manageable size. I guess the big thing is that with N4, we were hoping, you and I, it sounds like, that even that the size that it is right now, we would prefer it to be smaller. Yeah. Well. So if they, if they had cut an entire faction, I would be okay with it. Yeah, we, we know what faction that would be, but we're just not going to say it right now. Okay. We'll say it later. That's, that's speculation, not, not talking about what's real. So I guess the other really, really big change was the reduction to the 15 model slot count. Mm, I would say that's actually kind of slid in as a side change, but I think in terms of gameplay, it's the biggest, one of the biggest. So oh, yeah. So I feel like in terms of the main role set, I think if you've if you heard us our, our talk about um, code one, a lot of the changes that that are good overall in streamlining, simplifying things, cleaning up rules, they all happen in code one. So if you want to know and think about our thoughts about that, you can go check that podcast out. It's probably the previous podcast. Um, and in our opinions, I think we were basically overall very happy with those changes. Right, all the basic rules. Yeah. Uh, the N4 changes, um, be basically, like you said, like, well, uh, one of the things, well, the, the N4 is just a bigger rule set, right? And we said maybe it's, it's still too big, um, but, you know, the ability to have twice, well, to have two, two, two uh, combat groups is a big difference, right? And the ability to, and, and yeah, so basically... Um, those added rules, what do we think about those things on top? Do we feel like, do you feel like all of those added, like we said, generally the, the unnesting of all those rules were good, but technically a lot of that happened in code one, right? So what about the changes that, that are added on top of code one? And I think we all agreed, like we, if you listen to that podcast, we thought that code one changes are great, but 
I think you did mention that you wanted a little bit of that extra complication or that extra new rules that, that you get from N4. Now, those yeah, like, extra rules, were they that you get in N4? How many of them were good? How, what do you think about those rules that you, you, you need on top of code one to make the game, you know, really shine? So suppressive fire, I think, was one of the things we said was really missing. Mm -hmm. That suppressive fire is a huge piece of defensive tech. And that without that, you've got to, it really changes the way Infinity plays. Yeah. Since you now have to switch to direct template weapons to defend yourself mm -hmm. rather than hoping to just get your one shot back and survive. Mm -hmm. So that that basically puts back in a class of troops that might have been too weak in code one. Yeah. Now they're much better to play, like things with mimetism and all that, and things that deploy further up the board. They're mm -hmm. too vulnerable in code one because you can't put your guys in. Yeah, if you suit. couldn't camo, if mm -hmm. you couldn't camo to defend yourself, you were in trouble in code one. Yes, but now you have two ways of, well, now most players have, most troops have weapons with burst three, mm -hmm. which means they can go to suppressive fire, which means most troops can make use of that defensive tech. Yeah. Whereas, in code one, if you're not camo, you're probably dead meat if you're in the midfield. Yeah, that's right. Or, or you're heavy because you can yeah. take multiple shots. If you're not heavy and you're not camo, don't go in the midfield unless you're going to kill a bunch of people and then just commit yeah. suicide. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I totally agree. Um, mm -hmm. So I do think that those kind of changes were are, are good and great, and, and but they're technically a lot of them were not really like all these abilities we're talking about were mm -hmm. not were are directly were directly translated from n3 they, they didn't really change that much right suppressive yes. fire coordinated orders uh what other things to be like well the, the suppressive thing i was going towards was that now using your command tokens at the start of the game you can put one guy into suppressive mm -hmm. so i think that i would hope for two because like the order subtractions too, and it would make sense to put two guys in suppressive fire, which also covers much more of the board. Mm -hmm. But being able to put one guy into suppressive fire is a nice way of defensive tech because in a lot of missions, mm. if you don't have the, like the first player often has the ability to rampage so hard that mm -hmm. you're not sure if you can win the mission, if that's the goal of just causing damage. Yeah. In like just kill, in killing missions. Mm -hmm. So I think having the suppressive fire puts back in a nice balance on those more offensive missions. Less yeah, I, I feel like the one suppressive fire, like I think we talked about and we've tried out actually um, some, you know, just some fun rules at the end of N4 because I guess we're, we're, there are some things that bug us, N3, uh, that, that there are some things that bugged us on N3, um, link teams and uh, mostly link teams. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, one of the things that we tried out was uh, as a tactical order to be able to put in uh, people into suppressive fire in um, like exactly the, the rule that they had that they, they just gave us except two guys. Right. But the ways we did it was uh, you can only put in suppressive fire guys that are in your deployment zone. Right. Mm -hmm. In suppressive well, fire. Yeah. Because, but if but the rule that infinity went with, uh, is you can put anyone in this suppressive fire, which mm -hmm. I think what it does is it really helps uh, infiltrating like guys without camo that are infiltrators with a suppressive fire weapon. That's really what they're there for, right? Yeah. Um, which is good. Sorry. 
yeah, it can now be a huge roadblock up the board, whereas before you might just be trying to lay mines or something to slow people down. Yeah, so I think it's it's really good. I think it's useful for a lot of units that before were, like you said, right, in uh, code one, there's this class of units that have infiltration uh, and no camo, which means you really don't want it, without suppressive fire, you have no way to defend yourself up, uh, without, you know, you don't have your army next to you. So you're, you're out, in, out in front and you don't have enough uh, defense to survive an opponent's uh, attack, right? So any unit that didn't have camo that was an infiltrator was kind of hot garbage. Now with this unit, like in defense, right? On offense, it's fine. Like your first turn, then you're like, yeah, I'm going to put this infiltrator up there. I'm going to attack with them. It's great. But now with this rule, it allows those units to shine even on defense because now they can, you can put the guy in suppressive fire. He's ready to defend. The, o- the only thing is, I agree that it'd be cooler if you, if you added, I guess, another token where you could put instead of one guy, two guys in suppressive fire in your deployment zone, right? Which, which when you do that, it makes it almost feel like the game has already started, right? Like the defender has everything laid out. They're, they they defended themselves. They're already starting to defend themselves, laying suppressive fire when the game starts. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, I think well. I think yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh well. Um, in a cool direction. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a good direction. Um, in, in a way that we liked. Um, I I do feel like um, coordinated orders. They're directly ported. Right, and there's that that other rule from uh, N3. I think that rule was great in N3. There's, you know, why why change something that ain't broke, right? Um, yeah. So obviously they intend to change the fire teams, and because they put the coordinated orders right in the main rules, that's more likely to stay as is. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they they become more more similar in the future. Yeah, I think. Um, I actually do think you could kind of say like one of the good things is the whole not putting in link teams and all these other rules that are not necessarily like super polished uh, in the main rule book. It's basically signaling to everyone that these are going to change. And in some ways it's like, I'm glad for what they didn't do. Right. Cause I remember in N3, right. When, when they released the last edition, the problem with link team rules is their link team rules are literally like a, 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 a N2 rule set. Right that they directly ported to N3. And I remember they, they initially did the same thing with uh, N3, where they're like, oh, we're not putting in link teams yet, right? We're just porting over the old link team rules. Um, and I was super excited to see how they were going to update link teams to match with the rest of their game that they had overhauled with N3. And it turns out they did not. So when Human Sphere came out, I was super disappointed with link teams. I'm like, this rule set, this this link team rules that are come from a previous edition don't make sense with all the changes they had done into the new uh, game. And so I was very, very disappointed when when they made it canon, right? They didn't change the rules that much and they just, they, it was the exact same rule. It's just, I don't know, typed in N3 script. So in N4, in some ways I'm happy that they didn't just port it over, but I'm also worried and tentative because they did the same thing in N3 and they didn't fix the rules. So, so I'm worried there's going to, like you said, they're going to be worried about um, making things change too much in such a way that 
they were going to piss off a whole bunch of players. And in my opinion, link teams are some of are, are one of those things that new players in general don't really like because they're complicated and they don't work like any of the rest of the game. <laughs> so nope. Yeah, no, so people no structure and everything else. Yeah, so it's just I can see people's you know, in some ways, once they get into the game, you know, the teams are strong and they make tutorials good. So, like, it's good for in that way. But when a new player is coming into the game, it's so hard for them to wrap around their head around link teams, both playing and and playing against. Because playing, it has all of these rules and things you have to know that don't play like the rest of the game. Like, literally, a link team game is very different. I think we've talked about this before, before than a vanilla game, like a non-link team game. So you kind of have to learn two different ways, two systems. And already when we talked about how Infinity is so complicated, putting on the link teams on top is just this barrier that makes it really hard for players to, to get over. And they often just complain about, oh, I don't understand link teams. How does this work? And you're like, well, just play vanilla, man. Like, <laughs> vanilla is strong. You don't have to use link teams. Link teams are, are entirely different, different way of playing the game. They, they, they're not intuitive. They don't make sense. They're, they're extra weird. We talk about cheerleaders uh, making other guys stronger. Like link teams literally is like, if you put a whole bunch of guys in a link, then one guy becomes super strong because they're cheered on by the other people. Yeah. So, it's a fluff thing that doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense of how yeah. it's realistically working. And a lot of the games trying to model reality and this part of the game doesn't model reality in any way. So yeah, so it's good. I guess we're now talked a lot about it. It's good that they didn't go all in on, on, on link teams, but I'm still, this is more like a neutral thing. I don't know if this is necessarily a good thing. Because, like I said, once burned, twice shy. Yeah. Well, beyond just the rule set, with the new profiles and changes to the sectoral armies, which do get the fire teams, they've created a lot more fire team options, yeah. which effectively makes fire teams more powerful. And they were already really powerful. So mm-hmm. hopefully, that, hopefully any changes that get made in the future sort of tone that down a bit for, but for the near term, I can really see fire teams being extremely important. Yes, I, I agree. Uh, especially, um, and, and even if they get toned down, just the fact that you can move around, you know, literally they took out every single bonus, mm-hmm. people would still take the fire teams just for the sake of being able to move things around the board in unison. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think we mentioned uh, before, like we like coordinated basically does the same thing as fire teams, but you already have coordinated orders. It's in the game. I feel like it's a much more elegant solution. Um, they really should just move link teams more towards that. I think you mentioned this like literally earlier in, in this podcast. I think that hopefully is the direction they're taking just to, again, make the game more clear, more consistent, make things you know, smaller. Just because you can add a special rule to make something different doesn't necessarily mean that's a good thing for the game, right? Like we yeah. said, the game is way too big in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I do want to say, like, it sounds like we've been really down on, on, on N4, but a lot of these things are generally like structural things. And, and, and like, we, like I said, it's more about we were hoping for 
bigger changes in those directions in N4 that have not really materialized. But again, depending on how they handle the property and how they, they continue to change things, it, it, it can still head in a, like they're still heading in the, the right direction. It's just not as big of a change as we had hoped. Uh, so let's, let's do a little bit more positive things. What are, what are some really other really good things? Like, like we said, the, the base rule set that's in code one is good, but what are some mm -hmm. other good things that are specific to N4 that you got really excited about? Just be, besides like specific models that you're like, oh, this is awesome now. Oh, the hack is entirely better. Oh, yeah. Because before there were be so overlapping, like we just talked about there being overlapping units, mm -hmm. or there were kind of overlapping hacking programs, like there'd be a couple programs that would isolate things, a couple programs that would immobilize things. Now there's one program to immobilize, one program to isolate, mm -hmm. one program to kill other hackers, one program to take over tags. You're no longer just sifting through the rules, being like, okay, was this the one that had DA? an AP and did it give you minus three or just like there's only one set of rules and only one thing gives yeah. you bonuses or minuses. Again, it's like false choices that they used to have, right? There was basically one good hacking thing. And then there's like a 5% chance that you would use another version. And you're like, that this is not needed. It doesn't make the game more strategic. Again, this is just arcane knowledge that you're like, oh, technically if I use this hacking program in this situation, I have a 5% chance better chance of winning and you're like this is this is not an interesting decision in general and you know some people like that but i think overall considering how complicated the game is it's just not worth it it was not worth it and hacking is now like super clean now there's only 11 programs right uh it still seems a lot but like each one does something different and is interesting in the thing it does right yeah, I do like their changes to, so the hacking programs will put up isolated and immobilized, which before would just go away on their own. Mm -hmm. That made them, they're kind of useful to sort of slow down your opponent. Mm -hmm. But now they're severely dangerous because your opponent has to remove them. Yeah, it's not just slowing down. It could literally shut someone down. For the rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So which, I do really, really like that, yeah. Yeah, I want to see how it plays out. Mm -hmm. So it would seem that because heavies are vulnerable to those, mm -hmm. to the two main isolating and immobilizing hacking programs, yep. that heavies got cheaper, but now that vulnerability they have to the hacking is now much more dangerous to them. So it'll make it really interesting how the game plays out. And I think camel hackers are going to be a much more seen thing because before camel hackers were quite expensive mm -hmm. but the prices on those the point costs have gone down on those yeah so people there's may a, be more a... and the fact that your opponent doesn't see that they're there controlling this 16 inch bubble mm -hmm. they can shut down your big hit pieces that you want to cross the board with yeah now the heavies also got faster on a lot of profiles yep so you're yeah. really going to want to cross the board which means that now to sort of for the arms race against that, you're going to want to take more hacking and especially, like I said, camel form. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those things where it had a bunch of other good things that happened to the game that uh, I feel like it'll be a good change. And, and I think you kind of saw this again in code one, I guess <laughs> the more I talk about this, the more I guess in code one, uh, but this is obviously, you know, all the code one changes are in N4. So the, what they kind of did was, uh, one of the other really good things that they did was 
uh, a lot of the top level units in Infinity, um, so heavy infantry or tags or big units, big tough strong units, were basically you spent they were they costed too many points for how good they were, right? So in general, Infinity, you would rather take smaller, weaker units so that you could, because you could have way more of them and that directly translated to how much you could do because you have more orders, right? Now, basically what they did is all of these super expensive, not all of them, but a lot of these super big heavy units, uh, they reduced their price, which made uh, heavy infantry much more competitive onto the game playing sphere. And which means that like a lot of the top units are now heavy infantry, right? Whereas before a lot of the top units were light infantry just because of the way that the game worked and the fact that two wounds and, and armor was too expensive. Now, not only did armor get better because they kind of changed a couple of the rules with, with crits, they also reduced the prices across the board with these heavy infantry and sped up a lot of them so that they're faster now. And so I feel like in the new game, you're going to see a lot of like, heavy infantry because just because the models are, are really good and therefore to counter the heavy infantry you can either take heavy infantry or you could take these kind of like direct counters with hacking which makes hacking more attractive and then on top of that i think you mentioned hacking is now cheaper as well yep so i think the hacking game is going to become better that way Oh, and, I, yeah. and like I said, I just want to emphasize, I love the fact that they reduced these super expensive units because before everyone wanted to take their like super heavy infantry or their tags, which are basically like mini robots. I guess they're not really mini robots. They're big robots, but like not, not Gundam size. They're, they're like two, like, I don't know, two men tall or two or three men tall. Right. So they're, they're, they want to take these like stompy robots, but they were just too expensive in the old game. And now that they're competitively priced, I feel like you're going to see a lot more of them because they're actually good for their points cost, right? In fact, they're, they're, in some ways we're going to talk about probably some of them are too good for, <laughs> for their points cost. They really price them really aggressively, right? So I feel mm -hmm. like this entire group of underutilized units is going to see a lot more play, in the, which I, I think is great especially considering how much people love those things. And like, I, I think when you see a whole bunch of infantry and one big stompy robot and someone comes by on your table and, and look, looks at the game, that's one of those centerpieces that really attracts people to play the game. Like we mentioned, the, the, one of the best things about Infinity is the models are amazing. So when you're able yeah, to like- Especially the heavy guys have an amazing look compared to some of the other power armor style guys in other games. Yeah. They look blocky and they look like the armor shouldn't even work. Infinity actually looks like futuristic armor that might work. Yeah, so it just like it's very attractive. It gets people into the game, and and now they're actually going to be good. So not only do you look and say, "Oh, that thing's awesome," and you come by and say, "Oh, what's that?" Someone might say, "Oh, yeah, this is my model. It's it's so awesome. He's a big stompy robot." And before in the old game, he, you they would always add the caveat, "Yeah, but he kind of sucks in this game. I'm just playing it because he looks cool." Now they're like, "Oh yeah, and he's so good. He goes, he can do all of this kind of things, and and it can you know just really." When your players are really excited about their actual units of the ring, it can help infect people who come and look, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when they're the ones also, when they look at those models and like, oh, I also think this Salamander or this um, Guaijia is like super strong, right? Or, or not super strong, super cool looking. And then I look in the game and, 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 and I talk about it and I say, well, what do you think about the 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 salamander they're like yeah it's such a good unit and it looks so awesome right that kind of like helps people get hyped up in, about the game so i really like that portion 
Yes. Yeah, I, the other, the way I was trying to play the game before and a lot of people played the game before involved a lot of just like garbage troops, which now because of that limit of 15 models, mm-hmm. I think oh, it's going to go. Let's set, set up 15 models. So 15 I, models? I know I pushed yeah. it off a little bit, but like let's go in and explain the 15 model thing in general. Okay. So in order to accomplish things in Infinity, like for most missions, I was finding that I would want a minimum of 13 orders mm-hmm. in my list. Because after you take some casualties, by the end of the game, you still want enough orders on the board mm-hmm. to be able to change the, just change the board and get things done. Yeah. And like the game is still, I'm expecting to have the same sort of missions. So mm-hmm. I would probably keep that same rule of thumb of wanting to aim mm-hmm. for 13 regular orders which now with the cap of 15. So wait, the cap though is not a, an official cap either. This is kind of a link, link team thing, right? Mm-hmm. The 15 order cap is only for tournament play. Um, it, they said it was the basic way of playing it and anything else was a special rule to change it. Nope, the other way around. No. So, but then again, most people are so, going to play So, t- so the, the, the big thing is if you play ITS, which, okay, so if you think about it, so the thing with Infinity is it's a very competitive game, kind of. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's the game is, uh, so, they, so a Corvus Valley releases a tournament pack, uh, and a tournament pack has like 20 different missions that are all quite theme, theming, right? And this is generally how people play because there's so much theme and there's the gameplay of the tournament pack, even if you're not playing a tournament, like the games are fun, interesting, varied. They all have different objectives and things like this, right? Yeah, because currently the base N4 rules have four missions, mm-hmm. which they're good missions, but you probably want to move yeah. beyond the to get more variety. So then you move on to playing the ITS. Yeah, which is 20 missions. Now the, the base of the 20 missions, so in the normal gameplay, there's an unlimited number of guys, right? But for ITS, which is the main way people play, even casually, you could think about it as it's just an expanded mission pack, right? That, if you're playing the ITS system, that's the one that they said the default is 15 guys. Mm-hmm. And it's a soft cap because it's not part of the, the quote unquote official base rule set, but it's like the unofficial official mission set, <laughs> right? Yeah. That limits it down to uh, 15 orders. So like link teams where it's like, oh, we have a packet that could change, right? In the future, in some ways, it's the same way because this ITS mission set is their current, they're basically every season, they're saying, these are the missions that you should play, right? And they're fun, they're different. A lot of the times the missions are just like themed based on something. Like there's a previous mission season that was based all around using tags, right? And the missions would have like, oh, here, take some free tags. So it's very story-based and themey, even though it's quote-unquote tournament for tournaments, um, which really helps, uh, I don't know, get all people to play it. And in that one, the, the, the basics is 15. So official, unofficially, officially, the new cap is 15, even though if you only bought the rule book, you would not see anything that says that uh, 15 is the limit. Yep. And this document hasn't even come out yet. So yes, that's right. That's right. So there's we, we just, we're told what it's going to be. So we kind of 
are inclined to play towards that. Yeah, and the, the the interesting thing is, I'm pretty sure that they balanced it. The game they're balancing the game based on 15 orders. Yes, because a lot of the irregular order things became much cheaper, and the impetuous things became much cheaper. Yeah, well, it's just the irregular. Not all the irregular things, but the irregular impetuous ones became cheaper. A lot of irregular, yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of, of stuff that was decent or, or good that was regular, all right, like good or, or cheap before got even cheaper. Yeah, oddly, it was the irregular impetuous, which had both that got cheaper. No, not just that. Really? There's a I'm bunch sure. of other stuff. Basically, there's a bunch of stuff that was cheap that got even cheaper. And if you were, or, or cheap stuff, that was already good, got even better. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, so if I were playing the old system where I don't have, where, where I don't have to run 15 orders, or I can run as many orders as I want, with this cheapness, I could even run over 20. It's comfortable. Yeah, because most things across the board got cheaper. Yes, exactly. So, so now I can take my super strong heavy. Or well, the, heavies became, the heavies became relatively more cheaper than like the lighter things it became a little cheaper but the heavy thing one we'll talk about that later but yeah the percent decreases of point cost Mm -hmm. there were bigger percent decreases on heavy stuff than the percent decreases on little stuff let's talk about this later because when we talk about points (laughs) but sorry but the general idea is true right in general uh, the heavies got cheaper. So now you can fit, like if you didn't have a 15 order cat, you would be able to fit in a couple heavies or a couple strong units and then a ton of cheaper units because the cheaper units also got cheaper. Yeah. So you could flood the board with over 20. I think I could easily make a list in the new one with that's over 20 and it would crush a unit that only, like a, a, a list that only brought 10 units. Because like oh, yeah. you have 10 units, you have whatever, 12 orders, 13 orders, even if you have like sp- these special new rules that allow you to have an extra order. Uh, and all you would do is kill my irregulars. And then on my turn, I would have 10 orders with a superpowered heavy, which the heavies got stronger. So I have my one or two heavies, then I can go and like kill every single time I kill one of your units. It's an important unit for you. Mm-hmm. But now with the, the tournament 15 cap, when you want, when like I'm figuring I want to start at 13, there's now two slots that I could see maybe being used for irregulars. And then maybe I actually want orders. So uh, it's the space to fit those units in mm-hmm. is now in question. So, yeah, I, I, I really like so. So that's the thing. Like I did say, like, but that it's yeah. much easier to break the system with like 20 orders. But now if you adhere to the 15 order, what, what do they call it? Limited. Not limited insertion, whatever limited some sort of tactical tactical window or something like that. Yeah, which to, to be fair, it makes sense because you're like, okay, so I'm supposed to be like I'm every like Infinity is about covert ops teams fighting each other, right? My covert yeah. ops team is like a fucking protest, like thirty people <laughs> showing up. Yeah, and it shouldn't be thirty people with like rocket launchers show up. Like, <laughs> this is not this is not covert anymore. Exactly. So I do like, I do like the change. I do like fluff wise. It's good. I do. What What do you think about it being sixteen? I I mentioned before. I like the idea of sixteen as opposed to fifteen. Sixteen is just a nicer number. Um, yeah, that that would have left those potential like three slots 
mm-hmm. there's not much more to play with because now like those two, two is not very much of a, an ability to vary your army. Once you've got three, like that's a nicer number to vary. Once you hit four, you're like, okay, now I just have a whole lot. Now you're just yeah. you lots of units on the board. If you're going all the way up to. Yeah. I would say 17 yeah. seems too much. Yeah. 16, in my opinion, seems right. 15 is okay. Uh, but in some ways it might be better 15 because what it does is it, it, because it makes, it makes you feel pressure. Like 16 feels like I can basically build most of the list that I would want to build. Yep. 15 makes me feel like I'm sacrificing. Yeah. If you decide you really want those four cheap impetuous guys, mm-hmm. you're now playing a very, very limited list and you better have like a, really efficient way of accomplishing the mission with the rest of your army like those, yeah, those, those guys those make, 10 guys better be tough yeah the and cheap you, guys make get might get lots of kills for their points they might make up their points value but the rest of your guys better be able to like hey yeah as you said not die because now you're mm-hmm. gonna be really low on orders or they better be really well tailored to the mission for mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be of just like moving points into the zone or doing objectives with camo infiltrators so you don't have to you just don't need the orders to get there yeah, so in some ways, even though I feel like 16, I could basically build what I wanted. I do like the idea that 15 forces you into hard decisions, mm-hmm. right? It's like, do I really want to take this? And technically, 15 regular orders is a lot of orders, right? Yeah. So before, before I guess, since there's less restrictions, you could build all comers lists. Yeah. It kind of did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. I think with this like tighter restriction, you're going to have to tail your list more to every mission because otherwise you might be left left hanging if it's a mission that requires doing a lot of objectives like before there are some that had nine objectives on the board mm-hmm. you're going to want to maybe go all the way for 15 regular orders in a mission like that yeah that's you know, true the, there's so much to do on the board De- technically so. your all comers list was just 15 regular orders already <laughs> but also three <laughs> three regular or maybe 14 regular and four irregular kind of thing yeah so um I, I you know what i would say thinking about it even though 16 i could basically bring whatever i wanted well like the 16 i could build the lists that i already was wanted to bring i think maybe 15 is better because of that right because mm-hmm. it makes it difficult for me to bring everything that i want to now it's like, oh, I gotta make this decision. How am I gonna do this so that I can, I can, uh, I can, you know, make it work, right? Yeah, because before I had like three army lists, I just kept using mm-hmm. over and over. Because uh-huh. one of those three would probably take care of the mission. Yeah. But now that's not gonna be so possible. That's not yeah. So productive. so so funnily enough, like one of the best changes I think we're saying to the game and most impactful is not even official, an official M4 change. It's just like, I guess you would say it's an, it is a, it's a new ITS season change that is going to have, I think reverberate through the entire game. And I think it's one of the best changes that they've done. Yep. Even though it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable because I can't bring my 16 order lists anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's probably a good thing. And it's makes the games quicker, which is never a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. Like 20 order lists, like some people said, it's not just bad for the person that's running 20. Like even if you're fast at 20, it makes it hard for the opponent to know how to play because there's just so many units on, on, 
on the table, right? So you don't know, like I, like we said before, the, the player who's fighting the 20 order list doesn't know if they should just push past your like cheap orders or to get to the, the meaty stuff, right? It just, it causes some analysis paralysis, right? So I do like, you know, 15 orders now maximum. It's great. great. Love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've been going for a while. Do you want to talk about units now, about things we love and don't love? Um, or are there more core things we want to... Let, let's go, I guess, I think we yeah talked mostly about that. Let's um, go maybe some general good, bad, and odd uh, things. Let, uh, about, like we talked generally, just one last go around about what's good, bad, and odd. So for me, I think just finishing it up, um, I'm going to leave good for last. So, you know, Mm -hmm. just land on a good note. So I'm going to do odd, bad, and good. So one odd thing that I found is, um, and this is technically, this is actually in in, uh, code one, but it doesn't make, it doesn't show up as much is um, there's some weird zone of control things, uh, AROs that are happening in, uh, N4. And I think this is like kind of like a missed opportunity to really clean this up when you have a new edition. There's some really gray areas because you're not supposed to measure your zone of control, but it causes an arrow. So basically what ends up happening in the game is it's just hard to know whether a person has, can do something, right? So in the game, you're supposed to move and then you cause arrows and then the opponent, because they have an arrow, they can do an action. But the way that the game is is working right now, there are certain situations where you have like, like you can either trigger an arrow from a line of sight, seeing line of sight, or zone of control. And right now in the game set, uh, there are certain arrows that you get from measuring zone of control, but you don't actually, but you don't measure zone of control uh, until the very end of the order. So you'd actually don't, it's unclear how you're supposed to know if you actually have an arrow or not. And the, the way the game is set up is that if you don't have an arrow, then they can perform another action. Like then they perform another action. And then if you get an arrow, then you can react. But the problem is in the second step, it's very unclear about whether like there are, there are times because you're not measuring explicitly, there are times when you don't know if you actually get an arrow or not. Yeah. Like if something moves to the edge of your zone of control mm-hmm. and then you, you figure they're not in, then they take their second action as a move mm-hmm. and they leave. You've now made no measurements while they've been close to you. And now the model's been moved away. Yeah. And there's no way to make, go back in time and make the measurement. Well, About, you, were, were they in zone of control? Should I have had an action? Yep. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, yeah. So like, let's say you did make the action. And then they... Then they moved, moved away. away. <laughs> How do you measure that they were in your zone of control at that time? Yep, because the, the step where you make your measurements yeah. to find if the arrows are valid doesn't come until later. So, yeah, and, and I think they made a big good change where you're allowed to measure your moves. Um, I guess it's a, it's a good thing. You're able to measure your move now when you're moving. So you don't have this, like, I move roughly here and then you measure it out. You say, I'm moving this way, and then you measure it out and then you can kind of change it to make sure it makes sense. But they should have taken like, this is again, one of those things where it's like, they should have just taken the extra step and say, and then once you're done your movement, measure zone of control, right? So now everyone, now it's very clear 
who has ARO's and who has not. Because you just measure who has ARO's and who has not, who doesn't. You could just say you can measure anything in your zone of control. And that would fix the whole movement thing. That would fix the whole zone yeah. of control. You just say you can measure any time in your zone of control. Would have yeah. fixed those yeah. weird issues. Anyway. But they did not. So now you have this weird, like like you said, like weird things where you're like, did I have zone of control or not? And now you move your unit, I don't know. So that's kind of odd. Um, and I wish they had solved that. And I feel like if it, this becomes, it is kind of, the thing is it does come up <laughs> and it does cause arguments, but it doesn't come up all the time because in general, sort of controls only eight inches and this is a shooting game. So oftentimes you're not that close. At the same time, um, the game is changing. So if it ends up happening a lot, just like the, like they might change it. They might have to change it. Forced to solve the, the rule because there was a previous rule that everyone who plays Infinity remembers. There's a rule where you could shoot a guy from the top of the head and they would not be able to react. And they literally made a ruling so there, it was it was unsure people were unsure about whether they could react or not if you shoot a guy on the top of the head they made a ruling that said you couldn't shoot back from if you got shot at the top of the head which is degenerate gameplay so everyone was like well, no one actually played that way because everyone's like no that ruins the game so very few people would actually use the rule because it was just breaking it's like literally an example of the game players of infinity mm -hmm. having more sense than the actual people that made the decision <laughs> about the yeah, thing. They thought it through more, right? They thought of all the geometrical implications, yeah. not just the intention of the rules. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so then they had to like, once, once people started doing it, and I guess some people were like, no, this is stupid. They kind of pushed it. They had to backtrack. And literally in N4, they changed the rules to explicitly state you can't shoot. If you shoot a guy on the top of the head, they can shoot back. Yeah, so if they, you shoot them in their butt, they can shoot you back too as long as you're still... And you might not see them, but as long as part of them is still in front of you, you can yeah. shoot them. You know they're only seeing your ass. And your ass yeah, so like it totally solved... Like they had to solve the, that, that kind of issue just because of the geometry. And I feel like in this one, they're going to have... I don't know if it'll be as big of a deal, but it because... It's a less common situation, basically. It's a less common situation, and it's not as uh, abusable, right? It's just annoying, and it doesn't make sense. It causes arguments, right? Um, yeah. But it is so they might like literally shooting guys on the top of a head. You can like literally win tournaments just doing that. But in this yeah. one, it's harder to abuse. It's just annoying whenever it comes up. So they might not actually solve this one, but I do feel like it's it's similar. And the annoying thing is that like rules is written you can actually solve a lot of these, these issues. Uh, but they, just the way that they kind of chose to, to interpret it or what it actually means makes it really confusing. Yeah. So that was a good so, and the bad. I guess you named the odd good and the bad, didn't you? Uh, the good is I said measuring moving. And I also wanted to mention uh, close combat changes uh, mm -hmm. in general, close combat looks much more, um, enticing than it used to be a lot of the skills that uh were there before um were are now much better like berserk is better martial arts is more clear to understand and and better and movement like we said before movement is much more faster and close combat's cheaper so you know the fact that you can actually measure to make sure you'll get to your final destination you now don't have to worry so much about oh if i leave cover Mm -hmm. skip my shooting to get into base-to-base -base contact will i actually make it there yeah now you know you will make it there and if you mm -hmm. measure and you're like no i don't make it there then you just don't make the move and you keep on shooting 
Yeah. So, it's like, there's so many things that really help close combat. You know, it increases the speeds on those heavy things mm-hmm. for them to go so, fight in combat. And I guess they bumped up the best close combat things. Their, their close combat values got bumped yeah, up Yeah, so they, okay, the very best close combat guys, they didn't really bump up. In some ways, they nerfed them, like the top level, but the media, like the, the second to top level, they buffed all of those guys. So there were a bunch of guys that were marginal before um, where you they were not quite good enough to be good at close combat. And that was a huge swath of guys. And now those guys were all good at close combat. So, yeah, so I think it's going to emphasize using close combat a lot more. So, yep. Yep. That could be clear. Yeah, and, you know, it's always fun to be like a space guy with a space sword slashing a guy with a gun. It is. <laughs> All right. How about you? Oh, so I'm going to start with the good because because you named two good, so I'm just going to take back one of them. <laughs> okay. Move before you make it because that makes everything so much clearer. Yeah. That trying to describe what you're going to do and then doing it isn't mm-hmm. always so productive. And for people who aren't as good at measuring, like I've gotten good at it, but mm-hmm. a lot of other players will get really confused over what they can accomplish and what they can't accomplish. So yeah. just letting them pre-measure what they can do rather than just starting to slide their guy around the table and then them doing something they really shouldn't have been doing because it ruins, mm-hmm. ruins, it just gets their guy killed yeah. since they weren't noticing something is the pre-measuring lets you just avoid that. So yeah. I'd say that's good. The bad is that maybe this will get fixed with play testing, but from going through the unit profiles, like looking mm-hmm. at the point costs of things, it looks like every ability just has a value in and of itself. Like, well, if it's a heavy, it probably costs one point value to give it an HMG. If it's a light, it costs a point value to give it an HMG. But then when you start pairing certain abilities together, like having MSV2 and an HMG, it doesn't look like they account for the fact that those two things combined synergize to make a unit way more powerful. That if you say had an MSV2 SM, like pistol or a flamethrower, yeah, who really cares? But once you start getting good weapons combined with being able to see through smoke, that combination is incredibly powerful. And the profiles that have that, you're clearly going to take that version of the profile over like your basic weapons. Okay. Like if you have an MSV2 combi rifle and then on a light, uh-huh. and then you had a light with no MSV and a combi rifle, if it costs like say seven points to bump both of them up to an HMG, you're going to yeah. be like, oh, I'm bumping the MSV2 one up because yeah. the combination of two things is killer. And they haven't, doesn't look like they've accounted for that like synergistic value. Which yeah. maybe when more playtesting, yeah. you'll see like what lists people are building. They'll see that people only take those certain profiles that work, mm-hmm. that have skills that work well together. Yeah. I, I do feel that there are a couple of things that were like uh, surprising me. Uh, I think... So, th- so they did a lot of, in terms of points, they did a lot of good uh, changes in terms of the pricing of close combat and armor, which was way overpriced before, and they kind of reduced that. But I still think they, they, instead of, it was a lot about reducing costs that were overpriced as opposed to increasing costs that were underpriced. So I feel like mimetism is still underpriced. Yes. Uh, BS is still slightly underpriced and infiltrating camo is still underpriced. 
And like you said, infiltrating Cambo is the combo, right? Infiltrating mm-hmm. by itself is not as good. Camel by itself is not as good. Infiltrating Camel is really strong, right? So I feel like that combo, it looks like when you look at the units that, that kind of stayed the same and the units that changed, uh, units with infiltrating camo didn't go down. So, so basically what it seems like is in the new rules, like you said, because it's not based on synergies or any of these kind of things, units that did not have, so units that did not have infiltrating camo, which is still good, right? Still underpriced and, and mimetism, but, and, did also not get the things that changed better, which is armor and wounds and uh, close combat are still overpriced because they don't have any of the things that are really good now, right? If you have high fizz for some reason, I think physical is still overpriced, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. it's weird. Yeah. Uh, well, what, now that yeah. it can be shot. Sorry? Now that medikits can be shot and not get the minus three, maybe mm-hmm. physical's value is up. We just haven't seen it play out. Yeah, but not as like f- physical, not as much as the the way that they cost it. I don't think. Yep, we'll see. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, <laughs> I want to throw in another bad. This is a, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, just a, one one ability. I should say links because links is, but you know whatever. Everybody mentioned that uh, frenzy is something that really bugged me in the old game that they kept. So they they kind of saw that it was really annoying because Frenzy is a rule, basically, if you kill a guy. Uh, on The old rule was if you kill a guy at the start of your next turn, they gain Frenzy, which means that you can't... Uh, they don't get cover and they automatically... Uh, they, they become impetuous, right? They gain a rule, basically. Uh, that's both good and bad. They changed it. So they knew that people would always forget to frenzy because it literally takes like you kill a guy and then it literally takes an entire, like if you kill a guy in your turn, literally takes an entire full round. Yeah. It could be half an hour later before you've got to put the token down. Exactly. It's really hard to remember. Right. Um, So they're like, Oh, that's too long. So let's change it. So now what do you think the rule is? The obvious one is like, as soon as you kill a guy, you do the trigger, you get frenzy. No, now it's, at the end of the turn that they killed a guy, then they gain frenzy. I'm like, yeah, that's the right direction. But again, this is a, one of those things. Just take it a little bit farther. It's so much easier and also more impactful and more fluffy. And it makes more sense if as soon as you kill a guy, then you gain your frenzy ability, like this impetuous ability, which is now like both good and bad, right? Yeah, fluff. it's one of those things that fluff-wise, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, fluff-wise, it doesn't make sense. Complication-wise, it doesn't make sense. Memory-wise, just gameplay-wise, it doesn't make sense. And it's better than it used to be, but they li- literally just needed to take it that one extra step, and I would be like, mwah, be great. But they did not, which really annoyed me. Sorry. So back to my final yeah. thought. Yeah. My final thought did I take? Is- did I take your bad? No, I already mentioned my bad. My bad was the lack of, was about oh, yeah. point yeah. on things. It wasn't about the rules. It was about how things are point costed. Yeah. Because we, we've now seen that. Yeah, that's right. My odd is about how you get cover on roofs, which stems from how the cover rule now works. Because mm-hmm. now cover doesn't require one third of the silhouette to be mm-hmm. obscured, which is good and bad in some ways. Because now just like garbage on the ground can give you cover. But we'll, we'll see how like, communities decide to play that. I, I think it's basically going to be like, 
people will just classify. So I mentioned on this, uh, like just when it on uh, on Facebook, that I was like, oh, they're probably just like classified so that like certain size of terrain uh, doesn't give cover to certain units, yeah. uh, certain size of units, because it's like ridiculous if you know a box gives cover to a mag group of guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to me like clear, right? So like, um, but one of the guys mentioned, and it's maybe more simple, is like literally uh, certain terrain, we're just gonna be like, this is just cosmetic. Yeah. Right? And like, it doesn't have to give you cover. Like if it's a fire hydrant, just nobody gains cover from the fire hydrant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like that as much, but again, I feel like people are just going to resolve it. Like this is a small rule that is like, technically it's like gray. It's a gray area. I feel like where people, because there are already people, there's a lot of classification you do on the, the table about saying what this is, what this does, what this kind of thing does. Right in terms of saturation zones, uh, in terms of cover, in terms of um, z- zero visibility or low visibility, right? There's a lot of gray zones where you just nominate things to have that. And I don't think it's a big step to say this piece of terrain only gives cover to this up to this size of, of unit. Like S2 and smaller, because those are exactly common things. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be a sensible way of doing it. And it's just like a trade on the terrain rather than mm-hmm. having a whole chart. Yeah. So the odd part of that is that in the game before, the roof would need to have like a wall at the front of it to give you cover, and you'd have to go touch the wall. Yep. But now, if, say, you're shooting at something below you, and you're standing on the middle of the roof, you are technically in contact with the terrain, mm-hmm. and they cannot see your whole silhouette. Mm-hmm. Because a little bit is blocked from your, from your base. Because of that piece of terrain. So now you can stand in the middle of the roof, shooting down on people and you've got perfectly good cover i mean yeah, if you I love roof, it if you have roof to roof combat now you of course want that wall at the edge to protect you yeah. if they can see but, over the lip of the roof yeah yeah if they're seeing if they can look from their head down and see the floor of the roof you're standing mm-hmm. on they can you don't get cover yeah now you can kind of hang out in the middle of the roof and shoot people on the ground i feel like that makes more sense honestly i have the high ground there you go classic it's a trope. It has to happen. And apparently people in the future love memes. So, um, yeah, I love it. I love it. So there's good and bad, I guess, or weird, I guess. This, this is, it's not even bad. It's like there's good and there's kind of weird that I think people will just easily solve just from house ruling stuff. Yeah, I think people will just get used to it. It, it just feels odd from how the game played before that you felt like mm-hmm. when you stood up and walked towards, you got used to standing up and you walked towards the wall. And during that time, you didn't have any cover. And then when you fought in the future, you had the cover. Mm-hmm. But now it'll, it'll feel real weird to existing players, but I think for new players, they won't think anything of it. Yeah, it'll be really easy to understand. So it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> can I mention one more thing that kind of annoys me? In the bad category? Uh-huh. You did too uh, good. So. I, I, now there's be three bad. Um, I guess I'll have to mention another good thing. Um, I'll gush more about something else when we talked about uh, units. Um, one thing that annoys me is they did change a rule that bugs the crap out of me. Uh, and this technically happened in code one, two, which kind of annoys me. I guess I should have mentioned in that podcast, but I was too busy talking about how code one is great. Um, is uh, when you now, when, if you are unconscious and you get healed, uh, you automatically stand up 
So basically, when you're unconscious, you drop prone on the ground, right? Just like if a guy got shot, they would fall on the ground prone. Now, if a doctor comes in and patches your wound and you get healed up, you immediately leap up like Superman mm-hmm. and say... He immediately lifts you up in the air to get <laughs> shot again. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's like, you're good, right? And, and then the person will be like, yeah, prove it, stand up. And so they have to stand up at that point. And you're like, this doesn't make any sense fluff-wise, right? Yep. It doesn't make yep. sense. So yep. I think one thing you'll like about it is that if you currently dislike link teams being too powerful right now, mm-hmm. a lot of how that really benefits is that when you get someone killed in your link team and you're trying to build it back up to full strength, mm-hmm. you're going to heal members, but you don't necessarily want some of those members to stand up. Mm-hmm. But now when people start trying to bring back their link teams, they're going to start exposing more people if they're all like hanging out on roofs. Mm-hmm. Killed like two of them and they want to bring back two, but they only want to fight with one. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to get to be able to arrow against the two standing ones as opposed to just the one standing one they want to fight you with. So it, it kind of. That sounds again. like you propped up your house using like, I don't know, like tin cans. And mm-hmm. now you're like, oh, to make it work, I'm going to like duct tape the tin can stronger. It's like a stupid yeah. fix to something that should never happen at the beginning. Link teams are the problem. Not, well, I don't think, I, so you don't. I don't think. I don't think they intended this at all. It's just an implication. Duct tape is not the right analogy. It would be like, I don't know, using string to tie the tin cans together, which is all stupid. Something like that. In any case, mm-hmm. I feel like this is a, this is a, a, a you know, maybe stabbing your house, stabbing your house with knives into the tin cans. Mm-hmm. That's that's a better analogy to make them stay. Because both of those things are stupid by themselves. And I guess if you do both, it's slightly better. But uh, the better solution was not to build, to, to prop your house up with tin cans. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So this, this, it just doesn't make any sense. And it's an added rule, so it's more complicated. It, in my opinion, it's possible the reason why they did that is some weird link team fix. But in my opinion, the reason why they did that is literally because people forget to when you put an unconscious so when someone goes unconscious generally you put a an unconscious token next to them and then when you heal them people forget to uh replace it with a prone token and i feel like that's the reason they they stand up immediately yeah well that's why maybe tokens double-sided but anyways yeah it's so stupid like there's so many other solutions one solution is you don't have to you can make them stand up immediately. That's a good yeah. rule that makes sense. And, and if you forgot and you pulled the prone, you pulled the unconscious token off and you didn't put the prone down, yeah. you, you did that. Yeah, you, exactly. And now it'll, you'll definitely remember because you're like, oh, I could, I could have done that. I just got the guy killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or... I came back my turn 20 minutes later and like I was standing. Exactly. Or you could just have double-sided tokens where one side is unconscious and the other side is prone. And then when that happens, you literally flip them over. Yeah, because which is what you have. It's apparently printing on two sides of paper is also possible too. Oh yeah, m- imagine that. Well, to be fair, I use uh, translucent I acrylic tokens, so I can't yeah. do that. But I don't know, have yeah. you ever seen board game tokens with two sided printing? I don't know. Board games have those. No, things? that's that's some weird future tech. That we, it yeah. would be nice if we got that in the future, but as Maybe. it is right now, you just got to live with what you get. You have to use uh, cut acrylic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> acrylic tokens is the only way right yeah yeah we're in the past yeah okay 
So that's my last thing about bad. Now, I guess to wrap it up, um, let's talk about specific units. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so um, I guess one of the big changes or one of the things that everyone got excited about is like the changes to the units because everybody got points like changes because they have a new points formula and everyone also got new abilities and new things and new tweaks. So, uh, well, not everyone, but almost everyone. Uh, so I guess now to wrap things up and kind of have that like fun, whatever kind of, 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 uh, discussion is what are your three, uh, least favorite and three most favorite new changed, new or changed units. So I honestly only mostly care about my factions. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It comes down All right. To. Go for it. Least favorite. Three least favorite. So I play hack, but I mostly only play sectorial, so I just get envious of things I can't take. Fair enough. And what I like the least, because it was too powerful before, is the Mukhtar. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things that suffers from that its synergy, synergistic abilities are just over the top. Yeah. Because it has high move, it has MSV too, and it has a high volume, medium long range weapon. And it has mimetism and high BS, but it has low armor, but that doesn't matter because it has so many tweaks that allows you to win all of your combats. You don't have to care as much about losing armor, but it also has, for some reason, two wounds. Yeah. (laughs) And and it didn't go up in points. It went down in points. And so it just... Very, very slightly. Went down one point. Yeah. But it it just makes a lot of other things irrelevant. And it's just some clearly broken, broken thing. Yeah, so it's basically so obviously too good. Yep. I can see that, definitely. Wah, wah, Mukhtar, boo! Also, why are you healing the ground? That, that too. <laughs> all right. So, uh, do you want me to go, do you want to do all three and then I'll do all three? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I also play combined and mostly Onyx, uh-huh. and the Umbras of all forms were very underwhelming. Uh-huh. And I now still find them underwhelming because their points are like in the high 30s, low 40s. They did get buffed. They did, but they still just fall over in a stiff breeze. <laughs> like okay. one of them has Mimtism, like the Mukhtar, and you're like, oh, this should be good because there's more points than a Mukhtar. You're like, uh-huh. no, it's, it's just going to fall over. It's actually, yeah, I guess it's, is it slightly worse than the Mukhtar? A lot worse. Okay. It also, it's also fast. The but it's of... really good at close combat. That's what you're paying the Whoa. points for. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, okay. Tell me, <laughs> but tell it's me much worse at shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to kill all, everyone in 24 inches of me, or do I want to kill the guy who I've <laughs> had to walk across the whole board to get? Because he is very similar, like, like I said. Yeah, he he's is. Like the Mokhtar. He's got mimetism like the Mokhtar. He's low armor. But I'm pretty sure he has worse BS and no MSV2. Yep. There you go. And that's what he has the Spitfire, but just missing the MSV2. Oh, also, he's not as survivable because he doesn't have shock immunity. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he has no wounding cap, but he may just die from shock because he doesn't have that. Well, okay. Yeah. So, so he's, he, but to be fair, he only looks bad compared to a unit that is ridiculously overpowered. Well, he also looks bad compared to everything else in the faction. <laughs> so, even if we don't go over to a different faction, he still looks bad. 
Okay, so he's he's not quite there, basically. Yeah. But here's a question. Here's a question. If he gained shock immunity, because here's another issue, is like a lot of these units that used to look good with NWI don't look as good anymore because shock is so common now. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be more common because you're going to see a lot more people with multi-rifles because people are going to be taking more heavies. So the question is, if they gave the umbrella legates, 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 I don't know, um, mm-hmm. if they gave uh, them uh, shock immunity, would you consider it? No, because it still doesn't kill things. For that, for those points, I demand kills. I don't demand yes. living. I, I demand kills. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, okay. So, so in my opinion, if you gave the Umbrella Gatis um, shock immunity, I would consider them. Mm-hmm. That maybe still not good enough. Which is a huge. That's fair. That's a huge uh, negative. Now, and, and to be fair, I don't even even with that. I don't think the oh, actually, Umber Gladys got worse at close combat. Huh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so on to the third. I'll go to my third faction to make a pick. Okay, Drews, Security Chief Arsland, who I was hoping would get better. I painted uh-huh. him. Hope that not really. But he looks so well, cool. He fits in that same category of like things with like mid thirties with no uh-huh. ink cap, but like. But he just in a Mokhtar? Hmm? He's not. A but he just guy. isn't. The problem is you keep on comparing him to all these guys to a broken unit, man. Well, it might be that he has MSV one, which just pushes up his points. So that might be what. That's not MSV two. Yeah, how yeah, is this no, guy? One point less, le- only one point less than uh, than a Mukhtar. I think this kind of proves just that Mukhtars are, are ridiculous. Mukhtar make everything look like garbage. Yeah, yeah. He's just got that level below. He's like he's got MSV one, not MSV two, and then veterans are also worth a lot of points. But you hope to never have to use your veteran. So there's just lots of things that add points, but aren't that great, as we said. So all right. So those are the- that's one from each of the factions I play that let me down. All right, I'm gonna go now. All right, so my three least favorite profiles. So I'm gonna go in order of the ones that bug me the most to the least. Okay, of the top three, right? So all of these bug me a lot. So the one, number three, so this is the one that bugs me the least out of the three, is um, Morat Vanguards. Um, more vanguards still suck and they suck before and they suck now and I don't understand how so many of the cheap units got even cheaper and more vanguard are right now 14 points and they're worse than a fusilier which is 10 points well let's because... go back to security Arsland he's got a veteran and you know what veterans worth veterans worth like 10 points or something it's ridiculous. How is a Morad Vanguard 14 points? It's, it's physical and they have veteran, right? Because religious yeah. is very cheap. So it's like they have two more physical than a Fusilier and they have veteran, but they lose one BS, right? And technically they gain a, and one, one willpower. And, but like BS is the most important stat. It's a shooting game. 
How is it four points more? That's like 40% more expensive than a Fusilier who is better at the main point of the game, right? Which is give an order and be good at shooting. Literally, and, and like good at defense, right? Because they have higher BS. Literally, this Vanguard is terrible. So yep. number one, like disappointing thing. And I was so looking forward to Vanguard being slightly better and, and usable. And I don't understand how the points formula still says this guy's worth 14 points. He's obviously not. Right. So yeah, he's terrible. Uh, I think it's, yeah. Um, and it's just an example, honestly, of all Morats who are just too expensive. It's like their main things are veteran and high fizz which are still happen to be apparently two of the most overpriced stats or two most overpriced things in the new version, which I assume didn't actually change because he's still 14 points, right? So that really, really bugged me. Um, and to be fair, as a side, the slide in a side thing, Fusilier's being 10 points, how is that still possible? Really? Really, Fusilier's BS12 for like 10 points? How are they still more still cheaper than Vanguard, than Zanshi, than like every other guy, right? When, like I said, two best things, create an order, good at defense because they shoot better. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my number, my number three. My number two is, I think we mentioned this, uh, how certain like martial arts and stealth have been decoupled. Uh, and I mentioned that obviously someone who's a knight is not going to have stealth because why would you train and, and tiptoeing around? And I looked at the, the rules and half of the knights still have it stealth. Why That's did you explain? Joan of Arc has stealth. What? 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 She's just Maybe like a heavy mo- knight? If it was only her mobility armor that had it, I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, sure. Every, her bulky armor? No. Yeah, and Hospitallers have stealth. Like all of these knights where you're like, why did they look like, they're knights. Nobody thinks of knights as stealthy. And why did you give them stealth? It's literally, in my opinion, a gameplay thing where they're like, obviously you have stealth so you don't get hooked. And I'm like, this is not fluffy or whatever. It doesn't make sense. They're good that they're good otherwise. Why you don't have to, to push this this thing just to make your units better. And it's more annoying when you see a lot of like, I don't know, ninjas or Japanese ninjas not having stealth. And then some of these knights have stealth. It just it's so unfluffy, it really, really annoys me. Even more than gameplay. Like technically. Vanguard is a bigger deal in terms of anyone that plays Morats and in terms of gameplay of someone who plays Morats. But just the annoyance of Space Knights being stealthy just pisses me off. I'm like, come on, man, do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. The last thing, number one, can you guess what my number one annoying least favorite thing is? No, probably not. Mukhtar. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> You agree on that. It, just, it destroys <laughs> so the value of everything else. stupid. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so dumb. And, and I, when I looked at the it, I was like, oh, this is just because of the points formula. And points were, or of, like, when it came out in N3, I was like, oh, this is just, you know, too strong because of, you know, the points form- formula and things that are happening in N3 and they want to push units. But literally, they, it went slightly cheaper, like you said, in N4. And when I thought it was, should have been the opposite, it should have gone up at least, like, I don't know, 10% or something like that. It went up 10%, it would still be a good unit. People would still take it. So it's just ridiculous. Um, and it just kind of shows 
um, I don't know, just it shows that I'm very upset about these, these <laughs> units, I guess. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I, I wish that they'd you know, fixed their, their points for a lot better, but they did not, um, at least in our opinion. Yeah. And to be fair, right. Mukhtar is not the only superpower unit. Like, they, there's a bunch of units that have been changed to be aggressively, like, just in the same power range as Mukhtar, to be fair. But the fact that I was expecting this change to make it be less powerful, and the fact that they nerfed actually a lot of things that were in Mukhtar power level before, um, like um, post-humans and... Um, and uh, 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 mutts, right? Those those things were in the top level power level, and they've come down. The fact mm-hmm. that they they didn't do it with Mukhtar, and when I expected them to do it, it just like it really annoyed me. All right. So I guess I'll go now. My let's do yeah. Let's do happy 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 dance stuff. All so right. well, three favorite one. units. I'll do one for each of my factions just to make it easy to pick these things. All right. So the first one you already mentioned that just to fix balance, taking the mutts down a notch by huh? not giving every profile, every single piece of equipment in the book, mm-hmm. you can only have your jammer and then your and no smoke grenades usually, mm-hmm. or you've got to go up to a higher point level to get both. Mm-hmm. It's a much more reasonable. Plus the fact that you're just not going to take so many irregulars now stops Hacker's Land from being as broken by just piling on four mutts into every army. Mm-hmm. Causes a giant nightmare for your opponent. Yeah, so it's not so, as broken anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. it costs, it, before it costs no points and they would have unlimited shots with their jammer mm-hmm. and they had all the equipment in the world. And you could fit them all in because they're only 20 points so you could bring your main army and then just have four of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that changed. Back over to combined. I like what happened to Unidrons, which even though their points didn't change much and their weapons only changed a little bit and that they no longer produce teardrops off their plasma, they produce circular templates off the plasma. Uh-huh. The whole changes to the prone rules, the remotes can now go prone. Mm-hmm. Now makes Unidrons so much better mm-hmm. that normally it was impossible to hide an Onyx army. Yeah. With an Unidron Link team and a bunch of other remotes, mm-hmm. because they would all there wouldn't be enough spots on your de- in your deployment zone. Yeah, covered tall things, mm-hmm. so you end up having to like being really restricted in where you could deploy. Yeah, and so if they you broke can... your Unidrons, they would break the entire five man unit, as opposed to like a normal Link where you break one guy and everyone else is hiding or able to hide better because they they don't have to go then they, because they can go prone. Yeah, and now when they shoot one down because you've got remote presence, mm-hmm. that they would be able to finish it off because it would keep standing up. Oh my remote. god, it's going to be so annoying. Yes, this is why I'm naming how, why this will be really good for the winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I, I again, this well, is but, like yeah, robot before, pro pro robot bias. Mm-hmm. Humans before people yeah. took. Before people took them really seriously, they weren't like, oh, that's just Unidrons. They're actually pretty freaked out about the fact that they might go on a turn three rampage mm-hmm. when there's only three left and just begin plasming away the whole army. Yep. Now there may be even too many left to go on that rampage. 
That's fair. But I guess you know what? That's a good point. Back. That's a huge buff. So I'm, I'm excited to see how that causes a level up on them. And then to go to the third army of Druze, I really like what happened to Scarface. Okay. Because before he had two profiles, and they, they weren't quite as loaded up with stuff, and he wasn't quite as buff. Mm-hmm. But now with the armor increase, and the bit of a point decrease, and he's gone, I think, before he had... I don't know if he had a DEP before or not, but it's now he's got the Panzerfaust, H and then AP HMG or Spitfire, which are quite powerful he, weapons. He gained an AP HMG and, and the AP Spitfire is new. He didn't yeah. have those profiles before. Yeah, so now that armor is going to be a thing on the board. Yeah. Now that you want to take bigger things, I think Scarface mm-hmm. is going to be like a seriously useful piece of equipment to bring. Mm. And I love his... Yep. And in Druze, you can link with you can either duels with Cordelia or there's wildcard options or a brawler. So. Yep. I like the, also the fact that I just love the fact that like he can um, frenzy and just punch a guy if needed in the face to destroy him. That like it's just fun. Just have tags that punch people in the faces. Yep. No, his CC went up as well, so he like the beat down he can deliver in many, many ways mm-hmm. is going to be And neat. I think he o- used to only have Assault. Now he has Berserk. So he literally is just like, well, I'm a tag. You can, you can hit me, but I'm going to hit you back. Yeah, so <laughs> I have... Ninja, have fun poking me. As long as yeah, you're not exactly. opening one with more element. Yeah, exactly. Then, yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. You punch me, I'm going to Berserk you. We'll, we'll, we'll go mano a mano and see who wins. Which is, is fun. All right. All right. Is that, that oh. good or you got anything more? No, those are the three. One from each again. Okay. Some more fun improvements. Or, well, Scarface was kind of fun. The Unidrons are just pure power. And then the Mutts are fixing the game. All right. That's a good spread. That's a good spread. For me, most of my things are just about. Um, <laughs> things that are new and exciting and cool. So I'm, I am going to do some, because you, you mentioned that and I was like, oh, I should, I should talk about things I was really happy about. Um, some of my favorites were, um, I think I mentioned the post humans, they got nerfed. Um, these are, these are honorable mentions. I'm just throwing in extra things. Uh, I love the fact that the post humans went up in price and they're, they, they were so obviously too good before. And then I like the fide just, I always felt like the Fide was a little bit underwhelming in close combat and, and kind of got a little bit better in close combat. So I, I like that. Uh, but my real number three, I guess that's number five and four. Well, my well, number three. In the deployment zone too. Sorry? Now it can go suppressive in the deployment zone if you roll your <laughs> That's true. If you want to reveal it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, my number three is uh, Gulams. So the they humble... They now have fake chain rifles, or is it something else? Both. The fact that they have uh, fake chain rifles, so they have shotguns basically changed to be uh, uh, either you hit them directly with a plus six and eight inches, or you you shoot a, a scatter shot, which is a template. First of all, theme-wise and fluff-wise, I love that. I think fluff-wise, it's great. Um, yep. Again, for new players, like new players, when you describe why the shotgun worked like that, they're like, what, what weapon is this? That's- 
and you're like, it's the future. This is just how shotguns work in the future, okay? Now it makes a lot more sense, which I, I love. It's more intuitive for people to understand. Um, it's great. Uh, so you're basically hitting them with, with short slugs or you're hitting them with, with uh, scatter shot. Um, and gulams, gulams have them. And because of the way that, that gulams work, right? Gulams are your, um, they're your line infantry, which is basically just supposed to hold the line against the enemy so that they can't just walk around in your deployment zone and also give you orders, right? The ability to give them templates is so good in terms of defense for like people trying to sneak around a infiltrating camo or someone to go and, and, and deal with you. So I really like that. And then on top of that, for some reason, they went down one point. And I was yeah, like, it's okay. really good. Your opponent can't just win face-to-face yeah. -face over and over. Like, oh, I'll just take my Spitfire and shoot this guy, then shoot that guy. Yeah. You can't, they so, can't just around the corner and take everybody out. They'll, yeah, so it, I, I love that portion. And the fact that they're one point less for no reason, like, I'll take it. <laughs> and I love the Gulen models. So I got to always throw in some love for them. Um, my number two is uh, the Mobile Brigada. So this is like the quintessential heavy infantry almost for the game alongside the orc, right? So this is the nomad uh, heavy infantry. And I always felt like the Mobile Brigada, like people love the look because it's so unique and interesting. Um, but um, the Mobile Brigada themselves were just not good enough. They were too expensive and they suffered from all these overpriced things like um, the multi-rifle is overpriced, the armor was overpriced, and, and it was just too expensive for how good it was. And yeah, they so basically before, people would yeah. put like one in the link of Aguiles if they were playing Corregidor, just because yeah. link bonuses would make it good enough to play with. But once yeah. they'd filled up one slot, they wouldn't take any more. Yeah, and they'd also take it with the HMG, because unlike the multi-rifle, the HMG was correctly priced, right? Yeah. So now though, like because multi-rifle is well-priced and, and generally heavy armor has gone down and everything, uh, the mobile brigada still is, is, when you look at the profile, it's not complicated, right? Uh, it's a- it, abilities, like we were talking about before, yeah. things like 12 abilities now. Nope, it's got courage, immune shock, and yeah, there you go. That's it, right? Uh, but it has a 6-2 move, so it got the benefit of being faster. Uh, it got, um, its weapon multi-rifle is it just has two weapons multi-rifle and flamer which is like interesting but dynamic because they do do what you need to do and then it also uh, went up one armor which is so cool so mm. I feel like when you see a mobile brigada right when there are a lot of them out there because they look so cool you're like oh this is gonna I'm worried because this guy's high armor he's He's moves fast. He's just like a good, strong, like when you think of heavy infantry, this is the heavy infantry you'll measure other heavy infantry against. And he's relatively, like he's aggressively costed. It's like 35. And the flamethrower version, you're not going to want to run out the flamethrower version to get him with your shotguns. Yes. Yeah. He, he's going to flamethrower you and, he's yeah. gonna, and your little dude's going to die. So you've got you've to fight him on his terms. Yeah, so I, I just... I, I think this is the kind of units that I would hope they push. Not so many special rules. You don't need a ton of special rules. Just make the rules they have interesting and good and well-priced. So this is like, it's just a great looking unit. The same thing with the Gulam, right? Not too many special rules, but it's just what it, its package it has is interesting. And so I really like the uh, mobile, mobile Brigada. 
And number one actually has a shit ton of rules. So um, um, I can't say that it is like, look, it looks like the best, but it is my favorite, um, one of my favorite models in the entire range. And it, it's basically probably because specifically because of the look. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's basically when I say my favorite models in the range, I mean the look. So, so like this is one of my favorite models. This is one of the things that made me like love, uh, really, really love Infinity. It's uh, the Guaija or Guaijia or whatever the fuck, however you say it. This model is like so has looked so good for so long. He's just he's he's again like I'm saying he's he's the big tag right. He's a big robot and he's just. That when they resculpted him, he just looks so sweet. He's he's not like overly ornate or whatever. He looks like again the a quintessential tag, right? And it I, I loved him. He looked great. However, he runs around, he ran around with a sword before, and he kind of sucked in close combat before. So a lot. So you're like, why is this guy holding his sword and like hol- uh, holstering his gu- his gun when he's terrible in close combat, like? Um, and they kind of tweaked him to be a little bit better in uh, N3, at the end of N3. Um, like, they made his weapon a little bit stronger. Uh, but then, I don't know, something happened in N4, and they're like, you know what? People love this model. Let's just make him awesome. So they literally just changed him to, so that he's awesome in close combat now. So his weapon is double action, and he, they gave him martial arts, and they gave him a buff to be basically, like I said, that elite level of close combat. So he's like, close combat twenty. I think it was from 19 or, or to 22 and anything over 20 is a huge buff. It's like worth two more points because you, you get to add it to your role. And then they also gave him martial arts level two, which means you get another plus three and a minus three uh, on your opponent's role, which means he's like super good in close combat. Plus mm-hmm. he's still eight armor, which means like, again, you're going to be running into people and just like punching them over. And if you fail, like it doesn't really matter because you know, you have eight armor, they're not going to hurt you in, in response. So I love the idea of uh, punching people in close combat. And then on top of that, because uh, besides the, you know, the points decrease, so it's actually significantly cheaper, like nine points cheaper. Uh, that is apparently not enough. And because in the comic books that they released with Guaijias, uh, the Guaijias were jumping around and like there's a, there's a scene where Guaijia jumps onto a plane and like, smashes it with its fist. Apparently they had to model that so now Guajas have super jump, which means they're now like, they're now Kung Fu robots. They're so awesome. They jump. You can like literally, I, I, the thing I'm looking most forward to is like Superman punching a guy in the face. Oh, just jumping on a roof and like stomping on it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I want to do. So um, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing that the, the unit. So not only is it beautiful, which I guess is, you know, that's nothing to do with N4. It was released in N3, but it was so beautiful. But now that it's, it's rule set, like lives up to its model and, and make and acts the way that you would hope it does in the fluff and the art. Yeah. I, I agree that good looking models should just play better as well. <laughs> Things like Mukhtar that have ugly models should play yeah. badly. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're healing the ground. What is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Not, not that useful if, if that's the best you can do. So yeah, so those were my uh, top three, technically top five, but yeah. All right. All right. 
So I think it's about time. Uh, we've been going on for a long time. Uh, do you want to wrap up? Yeah, I guess if you want to contact us about what they're... Oh, wait, wait. I just nope. wrap up about, first about N, N, N4. Any last thoughts I meant about N4? I want to see the ITS missions to huh? see if there's like some interesting theme going on in them. But mm-hmm. in every season, there's sort of a theme. But they might not do a theme this time because the edition is just newly established. Yeah. But those, those have a big change on how the game plays. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I expect them to be pretty similar, though, honestly. Okay. It looks like they're trying not to rock the boat. Okay, for me, I think um, overall, I guess I've, I've talked a lot. Of, I feel like I've been really negative about the game, but honestly, I've been really excited and, and uh, about actually playing. Like I said, I really like uh, Code 1, but there are those couple of things that are, that are kind of missing uh, that I really want, like defensive plays, press of fire, these kind of things. And of course, like a super a- badass Guaijia um, that I'm really looking forward to in the new edition. Uh, overall, I would say this is probably still going to like everything that I liked about Infinity. Tech, almost everything that was uh, every every change that they did was good. There's just like I said, a bunch of things that I wish they had gone a little bit further. And there's that one thing that they added that I didn't like, which was. But the, in general, the direction is is great. I liked Infinity before and three. I'm gonna like it. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to love it uh, with the new edition. And I think this is probably the best time to to jump into infinity. If you haven't played before, like a lot of the things that I'm grumbling about is literally just like old man infinity because I've been playing it for so long. And it's mm-hmm. like, why didn't they fix those things that have been bugging me for so long? Right. Um, yeah. The complaints they, aren't about the core rules at all. They're, yeah, they're all exactly. Cases. Exactly. Right. And I feel like general direction, um, is the general direction is good, especially like the big thing to me is like if they make link teams, if they change link teams enough that it's not like so jarring to play. Like I really don't like the the way the bonuses work and everything, but if they change it to be more streamlined, more like everything else, uh, I will have a lot more, um, in my opinion, like positive things. Because literally link teams is the thing that bugs me most because it's so jarring and it's so hard to explain to new players and get people to, to work through. It's the hardest thing to, to work through in the game. So, um, yes, and that's yeah. positive. Like they, like, like, like we talked about, it's not part of the, they, they didn't put it in the main packet, which means they're thinking about it. They're thinking about how they can change it to make it make more sense and make it more streamlined. So that is my thing that I'm hoping, you know, positive things in the future. Mm-hmm. So uh, you looking forward to playing N4 in the new year because of, the lockdown so basically it's becoming winter we're not going to be able to play outside that much <laughs> and <Play outside>. whatever <laughs> yeah sure we'll put on our winter hats and everything like that clear the snow off and start playing mm-hmm. yeah i guess we'll have to uh yeah so great that was n4 yep. uh, so now last things about what <laughs> i don't know wrap up in general Oh, that people have sort of found other things that have changed majorly or that they think have major implications on how the game will play. You know, mm-hmm. Drop us a line on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah tell, tell us what us, you think. What do you think made the biggest change to how the game will play? Yeah, what do you love? And if you disagree with us and you think we're stupid, definitely drop us a line and talk with us because we love to debate. This is like one of our favorite things. So I'm sure that... Because we're, that, we're, we're master tech. 
Because we're, of course, master tacticians. Yeah, both in, uh, in, in battlefield and verbal combat. So, mm -hmm. all right. Very high. Strategy, yes. Um, all right. Okay. Well, all right. This has been Alan. It's been Brandon. Okay, done. We're at the end. If you want to uh, reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook at Dice Over Everything. Uh, join our group at Dice Over Everything group, or you can email us at contact at diceovereverything.com. Yeah, and if you want to see what we're working on, you can go to diceovereverything.com. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye.